0: Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And we are back at it. It's officially 2019. What a thing. Happy New Year. You know, we, uh, we released a bonus episode as we closed out 2018. Uh, maybe you got a chance to listen to that. Um, but our idea that we talked about a little bit there was that we want Sandbox more and more to be an interactive conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When we say we want to hear from you... We actually mean it. Yeah,
0: really. We, I would like
1: to hear from you. I And that, what I've loved about doing this podcast is it really does become this online, this interactive virtual community. And it's been mm-hmm. fun over the years to connect with, with many of you, but but just to be a little bit more intentional about that as we head here into 2019.
0: Absolutely. So as we start this new year, um, we have a question for you. We talked about this a little bit in the bonus episode, but real question. We really want to know the answer. Really, really want to know. What do you wonder about like, we just would love to know how you would answer that question. What do you wonder about? What inspires curiosity or or what do you want to know more? Yeah. What is that thing for you? Yeah, you know, and it's
1: really easy to share that answer with us. So here's how you can do it. A uh, couple of different ways. Send us a message via social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can email us at podcast at com, or... And honestly, this would be really sweet. I would be excited to hear some Because we'd love to hear your liquidy smooth accents from wherever in the country that you're from. Uh, Call and leave us a voice message at 507-722-1086.
0: That's 507-722-1086. Yeah. And we really do want to hear from you. We'd love to include some of the answers in future episodes. It might even help us shape the content, uh, the topics for future episodes as well. So uh, thanks for helping out. We'd love to hear from you. But for
1: now, welcome to Sandbox Cooperative, episode 77, Mowing Snow.
0: Welcome to the Sandbox.
1: So a few years back, we had a particularly long, snowy winter. Yes, it was bad. The kind of (laughs) snowy winter that Chris loves. You should see Chris. He often is walking around here... Whatever time of year in shorts and flip flops. Yep. Actually, that year you were wearing <laughs> long pants and boots. Yeah, it was it, not good. It was terrible. And I know we have listeners all over the map here, but when I say the words bad Minnesota winter, what images come to mind? Got it? Close your eyes. Got it? Good. Now make it even worse and never ending. With everything dying all around us. <laughs> Are you with me? By early spring, March, or it was like maybe March or April, we we got that late soul crushing snowfall that makes us question all of our life choices that <laughs> led to that moment. And at that precise moment, there was this guy nearby us who posted a video that went viral. He would not let his soul get crushed. He just gave Mother Nature the finger, albeit in a playful winking sort of way. And he took his lawnmower out and he started mowing the snow. He was mowing the snow because it was lawnmower season. It was not snowblower season anymore. This guy was wearing shorts. He was mowing the snow in his yard and just getting a good laugh out of this ridiculous place on the map that that we live in. And we're gonna post a video of this. Yeah, you got to see this. Show notes. It's really good. Yeah. But here's the thing mowing snow isn't necessarily harmful, a little bit crazy, a little nuts. Yes, a little right? bit. But taking a deeper dive into this image, there is a time for mowing and there's a time for snow blowing. And we have a lot of power and agency for many things in life, but we can't control the seasons by our sheer will or grit or or gutting it out. And this is true in life. Sometimes seasons have ended and we're still mowing the snow. Facts be damned. We won't change for anything. Maybe a relationship ended. You graduated. You changed jobs. The kid left home. Life has changed. But you're still holding forth like it's the same old thing. You are still
0: mowing the snow. Yeah, you know, it's the second week of January. And even though it's four, well, today it's not, but it's been 40 plus degrees outside. It's definitely not spring. It is not <laughs> by any st- stretch. And with that in mind, today would not be the best time to get started planting the garden. At least not, you know, if you want to have any vegetables to harvest in the summer and fall. Yeah, you, you, you could. It, <laughs> you need but, a jackhammer to get through the... <laughs> right, right. Just like mowing snow, it's it's the wrong season for that. Um, but think about it for a moment. When have you felt like you just weren't ready to let go of something? Like, have you ever felt as if no matter how hard you were trying, it just wouldn't click? Mm. Or that everyone around you just seemed to be seeing something in a new way. And and for whatever reason, maybe you weren't. Um, You know, have you ever had those experiences and let something change or or move into the next thing? And what did that feel like? It's a bit disconcerting when when, when people are able to see things and name things
1: and you feel like you didn't get the memo. Right. You just feel like
0: you're a little bit lost. Yeah. And the challenge that I see when we talk about this is that unlike actually physically mowing snow, it's sometimes hard to tell when we're in the wrong season of a job or of a relationship or a mindset or experience. We can get stuck and paralyzed in this uncertainty about you know, what's next. Um, there's lots of reasons this can happen, but when I think about this, for me, there's actually a very particular conversation that usually goes on in my head. And it's this one of kind of the tension between not wanting to work hard to accomplish something and, <laughs> and, Wait, and, what? <laughs> and holding on to something like way past its time. Yeah. So like on the one hand, on the one side, I, I hear myself saying, go ahead, make a change. You know, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You can create your own life experiences. And on the other side, I hear this echo of my dad who on a number of occasions and honestly, for the most part, very wisely told mm-hmm. me, Sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do in order to provide for yourself. And when I think about that, they're both really complicated ideas, but to some extent, they're both true and helpful. And if your inner monologue is even somewhat similar to mine, it's not hard to understand why so often we might be mowing snow.
1: You know, honestly, once I started thinking about this idea, the mowing snow thing, with regard to holding on to things whose time has passed and not living into the new thing, I started seeing it everywhere. Yeah. And and I see it in all kinds of places. It happens nationally with this, you know, like the whole Make America mm-hmm. Great Again slogan. Let's turn back the clock and go back to another time in our shared imagination. Pretend like things in society haven't somehow changed. Right, right. It, it happens
0: in communities. It, ha- it happens personally too. You know, when we started thinking about this, like thinking about communities, those traditions, whether that's your family community or a church community or whatever, mm-hmm. how many traditions actually aren't helping us? And if we made a new one we'd be we'd be better off that's a little bit of mowing snow in some cases i think yeah you just gotta let let that thing go and and, and try
1: dare to do an, a, a new thing and just because you've always done it that way isn't
0: isn't the answer right Sometime, the answer. sometimes sometimes uh, having always done it that way exactly means you're stuck yeah
1: yeah and, and it happens at a personal and community level as as i was saying and and here's one that's kind of both of those things yeah uh it was a few years back in our in our faith community that that Chris and I are a part of. We wanted to be super explicit about how we expressed our welcome, mm-hmm. and we are open and uh, we are open and affirming of LGBTQ folks. And we wanted to go through the process as a community to say that this is a safe place, that it's a welcoming place, in the clearest, broadest, most intentional way possible. Mm-hmm. And one member of our of our community, yeah. she's probably in her sixties, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I think so. Told us that she's always been open and affirming of LGBTQ folks. But she felt like she had to do it on the down low with regard to her, her understanding of, of what it means to be a person of faith. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So she, she was functionally closeted as a friend and ally. And right. uh, she believed that God loved all people without distinction. But she didn't know that this kind of understanding was actually okay and affirmed by a broader community of people. And she was relieved on the one hand. But on the other hand, she had to come to realize how her understanding of faith had shifted. The truth she was handed as a child didn't correspond to the reality that she was living today. And she found that she had been pretending, looking the other way, ignoring where her understanding of and love of God
0: and neighbor had, had brought her. Yeah, and I think unfortunately for a lot of people, uh, they may be in a faith community where they have to do that on a number of issues. They feel like mm-hmm. you know, they may exist in a, in a spot for, for them personally where they see something one way but have to kind of hide that from, from their community because they're not sure how yeah, that would go or, yeah. their, or their community is saying something drastically different, even though it seems to make sense to them.
1: Yeah, their faith and their understanding of, of, of the divine and, and other realities uh, don't, don't shift and they don't know how they can be f- faithful and a part of the community. And, and the truth is, for much of history, there were good and faithful people who didn't accept LGBTQ folks. They were living out the lessons that they had been handed and taught by trusted mentors and leaders. But there comes a point And maybe it has to do with sexuality or science or slavery or or whatever it is, that our experience in reality doesn't match a teaching anymore. Things change. Does it mean that everything that went before it is crap? Absolutely not. I would argue from a perspective of faith that the Bible itself is a book of evolving consciousness. It shows how people change. Time after time, God is with them in their changing worldviews, and the overall trajectory is moving more and more into a reality of love and acceptance. Putting our hearts and minds in a religious lockbox denies the new thing that God
0: might be leading us into. Mm -hmm. And there's there's lots of reasons why... it might be challenging to change and follow into that new thing. But one of the most important ones for me is that it takes time and intentionality to recognize a change of season. It just so often feels like we put up our blinders, we just put our head down and and move ahead and we're completely oblivious to the things that are happening around us and sometimes even inside of us in some ways. Mm -hmm. In part because our our busyness and this idea of a kind of producing blinds us a bit yeah um we were just talking about this but but my wife noelle uh told me a couple weeks ago that in the middle of the christmas season she bumped into a friend and they started talking about how how things were going christmas plans you know all the typical uh end of year christmas conversations and our friend said we're just really busy are you really busy right now this season is crazy right (laughs) (laughs) and my wife responded honestly no actually i'm feeling pretty good (laughs) And like, if you have had any of those conversations in the last few weeks, you are probably like our friend who was shocked, not busy during Christmas. And like, as I imagine if it would have gone, if I was in that conversation, how do I respond to someone who isn't busy? Like, isn't everyone busy? What are we supposed to talk about? (laughs) It's an absolute conversation killer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Aren't you busy? No. And that's the way Uh. that she, that's the way that she described it was that that it was kind of like, oh. Oh. What do we talk about now? What's yeah.
1: next? Yeah, we're done here. Yeah. We're done here.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was in
1: grad school in, in Chicago and I called up my Aunt Joe, who lived in the city. Aunt Jo, uh, I know that you are probably listening. <laughs> Some of you will remember, we actually interviewed her in episode yeah. 46. Anyways, she asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm busy and tired. And she responded, I'll never forget that. She responded, we all are. How are you actually doing? <laughs> totally changed the way I respond to that question it forces me to recognize that busy is a symptom. It's not the answer to the question of
0: how am I doing? And first of all, having met Anjo, I think that's hilarious. (laughs) But second, it's a really good point. Like our value isn't how busy we are. And there are probably lots of reasons for us to rethink this whole idea of busy anyway. But the reason I think it's important for this idea of, of mowing snow and paying attention to that season change is that it's really hard to reflect on something and have space to actually look at it clearly when thoughts and ideas and deadlines and projects are all flying at us and making us feel overwhelmed. I just, we don't often have a lot of room for margin, but if we want to know if we're stuck in the wrong season, then we have to have that space to look at it more clearly.
1: It requires some distance perspective, getting off the stage and into the balcony so you have a better view of the action. So think about it. Where are you setting yourself up to have some space, to have some margin, a better pace? Do you have room to tackle the surprises or are you distracted, maybe even stuck in a previous season? Now, the the first step might be to step back and get a better look.
0: And as strange as it sounds, this whole idea of mowing snow is reminding me of the dentist. The dentist? Yeah. Just hold on. I'll get there. (laughs) So I was at the dentist the other day and unfortunately, actually back very recently, Mm. but, um, You know, on its own, the dentist. Not necessarily that big of a deal. It's not great, but it's not that big of a deal. But it had been a long time since I had been there. And we're talking years, almost double digits. Don't judge me. Anyway. I'm judging a little. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know you are. But (laughs) even though I knew how much I probably needed it, right? How much I needed the the care and Mm -hmm. to take care of that part of my health. I just didn't want to go. I had worked up this image in my mind of how bad it would be. Um, And it became harder and harder to want to get back into that routine and take care of that aspect of my health. But as it turns out, our dentist is great. And it was a really great experience considering it's the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) But part of it is getting over that fear. Uh, And for me, that fear of what was in my mind, you know, sometimes we get, we really get paralyzed by that fear and stuck in a season we actually don't belong in. Um, And getting into the next season might just mean a really, really simple step. And it also gets easier with practice, um, which that idea of practicing change is, is pretty important in helping us be sure we aren't stuck in the wrong season for too long. And when we learn how to watch for a new season, the next ones become a little bit easier to notice. So we actually sat down with our friends, Julie and Charles, who both have backgrounds in spiritual direction to talk about just that. And we'd love to share some of that conversation with you.
1: So we're sitting with our friends, Charles and Julie, uh, Charles and Julie have both been on the show a few times before, but they've, they've done a lot of thinking about something called thresholds. And we've had conversations, you and
0: I, Chris, with, with them before and just wanted to share this conversation about thresholds with
1: with our listeners today.
0: Yeah. So I think as we're talking today a little bit about uh, once you've gone through something once, you can maybe take some lessons uh, and move through into the next thing with, with those lessons. Maybe that might be an okay place to, to get into this idea of thresholds. What might you have to say about that?
2: Well, threshold, uh, walking from one room to another, one world to another, um, uh, the first time can be scary. If you're uh, uh, walking from a uh, lit uh, kitchen farmhouse room out into the uh, the dark, uh, you, you've lost your bearings. Uh, but once you realize, okay, I'm different world, different rules, and uh, oh, now I can see the stars, you begin to uh, sort of embrace that, uh, oh, I've, I've walked into a, a different uh, different world with uh, different rules, and it um, can be exciting as opposed to being frightening. Mm.
3: Yeah, and I think there's a trust element maybe that you gain as you move along, um, that you know it will be okay, that you trust yourself, you trust God, you trust the universe to kind of open to new things, and that that, that will be okay. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Scary and fun at the same time.
2: Sort of like walking into a room and it's a, it's a surprise birthday party for you. And if you're if you're an introvert, that's kind of scary. But uh, <laughs> but if you knew this was coming, you're all prepared for it. And okay, I I, I know to act surprised and I know how to function. <laughs> and I think that's with uh, um, thresholds. They can be illness. They can be uh, things that just I didn't plan on this. But if you realize, no, no, uh, I, I'm I'm walking into something which is safe. Uh, God's part of this and. I just have to. Okay, how do I, uh, how do I open myself up to allow God to be uh, uh, engaged with me and, and working here?
1: Have you ever seen anybody kind of come to the threshold and then just kind of refuse to go through it and have it all go sideways? I
2: mean, I. What does that look like? It's in this uh, Olympic sport of uh, the equestrian. The the horse comes to the uh, the, the <laughs> jump and stops, <laughs> <laughs> and the rider uh, goes flying. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I think being ill can be a marvelous threshold. But if I'm spending my whole time saying, you know, just pray for me that I, I get out of here as soon as possible, I say, oh, I do want you to get out of here, but. It, it's also a marvelous time to stop and, and, and think about where you're going and and so I, I, I think illness can be either a golden time or uh, just you know close your eyes hold your nose, and just try to get through it as fast as possible
3: mm-hmm. I'm thinking about your language or your question now about stopping and not going through a threshold and I'm thinking about I was just doing some reading on beginner's eyes mm. And um, even to see thresholds is a skill I think um, that maybe we don't have for a while early in life, or we shy away from it. And yet, once we have that, it it makes life more exciting. We become more resilient, creative, probably humble too.
2: How can we develop eyes to see a threshold? Uh, You know, I think once you've gone through one, uh, then you begin to start piecing it together. Okay, I know the drill. Um, adding a zero onto our age, 20, 30, 40, 50, they're all thresholds. If you've made it through 40 and say, you know, uh, a lot of neat things happening before I was 40, but no, there's there's some good things. Once you get get your mind wrapped around that, then you begin to start looking around. Well, what's the good thing about turning 40 or turning 50 or turning 60? Uh, so it's, it's if you've if you've learned anything at the first threshold, you can apply it to every other threshold mm-hmm. and name it, yeah.
0: So when we're thinking in, in this episode, when we're talking a little bit about um, this idea of mowing snow, uh, kind of either being unaware of the season that you're in or uh, unwilling to recognize and, and pay attention to, how would you say that thresholds can, that idea of thresholds can help uh, move someone through what kind of skills or, or things to pay attention to might you suggest for someone who finds themselves in that season?
2: Well, well, certainly. Uh, just being present to what is—it sounds really uh, simple, but it's not. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the past and thinking about the future. No, right here, right now. And the other part of it is surrender to what is, as if uh, someone said, um, "Live your life as if everything that happens is what you chose to have happen, as opposed to becoming a victim." I didn't want this to have happened. So it's that I chose this moment. You know, even if it's illness, even if it's turning forty. Uh, Okay, then what am I, how am I going to work with this moment? And I think that's one of the practices that mm-hmm. I try to use. Yeah.
3: I would agree with that, just being very present to the moment. Um, be present to the moment because, and what's helpful is to know that life, in, in life there's very little that's black and white. So you're dealing with shades of gray, and you can make steps forward but come back, or you're not committed. There's more flexibility and resiliency in life itself than we think, I think.
2: And the exciting thing about once you've learned this is that it's in those gray areas where you don't have it figured out. That's where God can show up. As long as we have things pretty well figured out, you know, uh, uh, very little room for God. But it's when we're kind of crashing and saying, boy, I don't get this. Oh, okay. Now God can, can show up and be part of it, yeah. I've heard
1: you both talk about Bev, right? Yes. Uh, and that's bitter, entitled, and a victim. Mm-hmm. How does that, in, 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 as we get to the end of life, uh, becoming living in Bev, living in bitter, entitled, and, and a victim, and how does that relate to thresholds and our lack of um, maybe respecting them or, or acknowledging
2: them or seeing them? my my view on on thresholds and and what you're just talking about is that uh, nobody's life is working out the way they want it to but when you're earlier you just you know just put that down the road oh, it it will I, i'll put my do I'll put my dues I'll, I'll i'll work real hard but then you start reaching a point and well when's it when is my ship going to come in and then that's when you start oh, this isn't working out right. But the concept of thresholds then allows you to just to be present to what is and to allow God into, well, I had these plans, but it's not working out that way. But you know what? This is even better. Early in my life, I didn't have to worry about that because I I knew it was going to work out because I'm working hard. And um, but around forty, I should been realize oh, maybe not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there's not as many chances left anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: And, and and really, all of life is, could be a disappointment then because it's not going to work out the way you want. And that's where Bev shows up uh, um, as opposed to what someone else has said is that uh, uh, a well lived life. I'm, I'm more in love with life uh, as the older I get. And you can't do that if the unexpected throws you. But if you say, oh, here's a place for God to show up and have this childlike wonder in beginner's eyes, then good things
3: can happen. Yeah, and part of thresholds, I think, is new normals. Mm-hmm. Especially think about that as you're getting older, it's like your body's not the same. You don't feel the same. You're not as resilient in some respects, but in others, you're way more resilient. I think you can adjust to new normals better and, and surrender. That's an important word, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Charles. Just to live in those new normals and see wonderful new things there as well.
2: I just was I saw a graph on, on happiness and it, it it sort of bottoms out around midlife. And then it gets a little bit higher and, and the person was explaining, well that's 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 not really very, very accurate. What happens after midlife is it, 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 it goes in two directions. Half the people keep going down this 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 slide to really unhappy. But the other half, they start, and it it balances off on average, and it looks like, well, people are kind of stable. So anyway, uh, it it ties into your whole concept there that uh, if you get how to deal with thresholds, you're one of those that, oh, life is getting better. If you don't, then you're on this path down here. Yeah.
0: It's a cautionary tale. (laughs) So I really appreciate the insight that Charles and Julie shared, but I was really struck uh, by their answer to the question that you asked at the end there, Dave, um, about that idea of of Bev, bitter, entitled, and mm-hmm, victim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some ways, if we don't notice change around us, or more importantly, maybe recognize a new season and still hang out of the old one, isn't that exactly what happens? Yeah. You know, we, could, we all know somebody
1: who, when we, we use that term, Bev, their picture goes right next to it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And
0: sometimes sometimes it might even be us depending on the day. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but sometimes we're mowing snow because we think we're supposed to, you know, because we hold on to the way that someone told us it was. You know, it's just like your your story about uh, our our welcome statement earlier. Yeah, you know, that person in our community, I I'm, I'm sure she wasn't alone mm-hmm. in all
1: of this. And it's it's okay to change and see things differently as we learn as we as we grow but if, if man if you're if you're holding on to this uh, one idea that you know your maybe your faith community is saying this other idea that you've come to believe to be true you could be pretty bitter uh, bef- before too long mm-hmm. yeah it's experiencing and, and changing it's not only okay it's it's
0: good and it's important right but it's not an easy process. No, no, at least it doesn't feel easy. Uh, It's maybe simple, but not easy. So as we begin wrapping up today's episode, uh, we just want to give you a few questions to ask. If you feel like you might be mowing snow, these might be great starting places to get you thinking about it a little differently. So how do you know if you're done? Uh, Maybe ask someone, ask a trusted friend, uh, make some space to take a clear look. And what do you do in transition? You know, how do you know if it'll be okay? Okay. Think about that. What, think about what conversations you might have with yourself and others, and how do you have those conversations honestly with what you're really feeling and seeing? And finally, how do you enter the next thing well? How can you prepare for a sense of openness in the next thing? And how can you maybe look at your next experience with some fresh eyes?
1: So over the years, I've heard and learned about something called a clearness committee, It comes out of the Quaker tradition, and I think it could be a way of getting unstuck, of seeing with more clarity about the season that you're actually in. The basic idea of a clearness committee is that you've got something to figure out. It's a problem to solve, a question you want to explore. You're not really seeking advice. You actually probably already know what you need to do, but you need help clearing through all the distractions and clutter to get where you need to be. They've been done about marriage, whether one should propose marriage to another, jobs, uh, moving, college, life, and health decisions of all sorts. As I understand it, you write a page or two about your question, your dilemma, what you wonder about, and then you share it with a specific group of friends. These aren't friends who always want to give advice, these are friends who are good at asking questions. Their job is to sit, ask questions, tough questions and listen to you, observe your answers, your body language, your energy. They will sit with you in silence and ultimately share what they observed. Eventually, the idea is that there is clearness about what the next step might be. I've heard it that that it's very common to come in with a preconceived notion about where the whole thing's about to go. But then more often than not, it heads in a way that you could have never seen coming. When it comes to mowing snow, How good would it be to gather a bunch of people to give you eyes to see what you're actually doing? To help open your heart and your mind and your eyes to which direction to go? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to put the lawnmower away and grab a shovel. Get the right tool for the job and lean into this new season in life.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative
1: Podcast. And a special thanks to Charles Ortloff and Julie Stevens, our friends,
0: uh, for sharing their insight with us today. To stay up to date with all the things we've got going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And we'd really love to hear from you. And we really, really, really
1: mean it. So let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know what you wonder about. And if you'd like... While you're at it, rate and review us on iTunes. Join us in the conversation.
0: And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.